Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea. He's here. Yes, I am. And running the boards is me. Joey Dees is on assignment. So if there are any technical difficulties, blame Joey. It wasn't me. I don't know what's going on. Don't worry about it. On today's show, we will talk with Gareth Von Kallenbach about video games, television, and movies. Oh, yeah, buddy. BJ will talk TV and uh, with Star Trek Prodigy and Discovery. Wait a second, both of them? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we will get the geek sheet with Vicky B. Woo! Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. 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 Just search BJ Shays Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Odyssey. Yeah, and if you don't know how to spell that because it is spelled differently, it is A-U-D-A-C-Y. Uh, you can look that up because we've got all of our podcasts and, uh, like Vicky says, that more. So if you want to listen to some amazing music as well and some really special stations that have been catered towards a lot of fans out there all over the the, the gamut of all sorts of different genres, you can check that out. Again, it's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. <laughs> Thank you, BJ. Now, we need to talk with our good friend, Mr. Gareth Von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net because we've got a lot of stuff to run down. I know we've been doing a lot of video game stuff, but we're going to get into other things, including TV and movies. But first off, there is some drama going on with Battlefield ni- uh, 2042 that uh, is, I, see, I think seems very pertinent to some of our listeners. Yeah, well, the game came to be honest. It was a massive disappointment for many players. And one of the big things is this is not uncommon in the series that there have been Battlefield games in the past that have come out and had various technical issues or didn't meet expectations. I remember one that took for the better part of almost a year until it was patched up to the point where the gaming public thought it's where it was supposed to be. However... This time around, uh, people have not been very happy with it. The uh, company themselves have even said it has not met expectations, both from a you know quality and a sales standpoint. And now we hear that there's about thirty thousand people that currently have signed an online petition saying, you know, essentially promises of, well, we're going to fix it, and we're going to upgrade it, are not good enough. We want a refund. Whoa! Wow! That that that's pretty significant, right there. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, you know, it's another uh, black eye for it because essentially EA thought this was the franchise to challenge Call of Duty. And it hasn't happened. And while there are people that say there are many aspects of the game and the series that I've enjoyed better than Call of Duty, people say, oh, it's more realistic, it's more, you know, uh, uh, mature, so on and so forth. But the bottom line is, it's all about sales. And right now, what has been the news headline? It has been Call of Duty Season 2 coming out, and that Activision has uh, said, under Microsoft, we're going to go beyond the existing agreements with Call of Duty and our other products on PlayStation. That's what's getting the headline. 
Yeah, and I mean, even at that point in time, something as massive as, as that is definitely going to uh, affect people. But it comes down also to the fact that if you've got that in addition to the gameplay issues, this is what's going to re- lead to these petitions. And, you know, sometimes those petitions don't go anywhere. But at the same point, you've got 30,000 people as of this recording saying something's up. You kind of have to address it at that point as the company. Correct. And while, you know, companies are notorious not being happy and uh, demanding things, you have to look at it and say this is the first, not the first time that fans in the series have been unhappy mm-hmm. with the quality of a release. The fact that the company themselves have said they were disappointed with aspects of it. And the fact that, you know, 30,000 people have now said we're not willing to wait, we want our money back. And while it may just be a, you know, a symbolic gesture, it's bad publicity and it doesn't make the franchise look good. And, you know, you'd have to say if they came out and said, hey, folks, Battlefield 6 next Christmas, (laughs) you would have people being happy about it. But then you'd also have the other side saying, yeah, well, look how bad you did the last one. I'm going to take a wait and see. Oh, and yeah. this hurts. This hurts pre-orders. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll have to see where that goes, and if they do, uh, you know, make some changes, some fixes on that. Now, moving on from video games and going to TV, um, it seems that the Andor series, which is going to be, you know, following the Star Wars universe, um, is already massively popular in terms of, uh, well, at least the people who are over at Disney, because um, it hasn't come out yet, but there is some good news about uh, the continuation of it. Yeah, and that was uh, interesting because Skarsgård was out doing an interview and he basically talks about, oh, I have this coming up and right after that we're filming the next season of Andor. And, of course, people were very shocked by this because season one hasn't even debuted yet. We don't even have a release date for season one other than anticipated sometime this year. And the fact that they've already come out and talked about a new season got everyone really excited. As we also look at it, you take the uh, the book of Boba Fett, which wrapped up today. A lot of people are saying now they're pretty confident that there's going to be another season because there are still things that need to be resolved, or at the very least, these characters are going to be popping in and out. And, you know, you already heard some kind of rumblings, uh, but they were always vague, like, if we should get a second season, I'd like to see this. But yeah. then others have come out and kind of implied okay, things are moving forward. And I think, like anything else, Disney has uh, announced a pretty aggressive slate of Star Wars projects for the Disney Plus streaming service. But, you know, we also have an opening because Rangers of the New Republic went from being active to off the list, so now they could have the flexibility of saying, well, what do we fill it with? Well, let's fill it with other seasons. And, you know, some people have said, assume that every show that they currently had in development was already planned to have multiple seasons. Is it really that much of a shock? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, if it's popular, they're going to be, uh, you know, mining it for as much as it's worth. And even on that end, like looking at other shows that are getting more seasons, the Orville has dropped uh, the fact that they will have a season three. Yeah, this has been a running joke about their, you know, Seth MacFarlane has been on social media joking about the three years in development because of the COVID shutdowns and the problem that the extreme amount of physical makeup they do require to do it safely because you have to have people 
in an area in close contact for hours at a time to put it on, put it off. And he's made jokes about, you know, you're going to see the stuff we filmed pre-COVID, like the guy goes into a room and then he comes out into the hallway and he's 20 pounds heavier. <laughs> and stuff, so you'll know, you'll know which scene was filmed when. Uh, but it was very interesting because we'd all been told it's coming in March, it's coming in March. And then this intense trailer dropped the other day. And it was just this lavish uh, special effects laden trailer. And you're like, well... Obviously, the time and money has definitely gone to the right place. Mm-hmm. And it's now officially Orville New Horizons, and it'll drop on uh, Hulu on June 2nd. All right. So a little bit of a delay on that. But you know what? I'm excited for it. I know a lot of people really did love the show. I did as well. So it'll be fun to uh, revisit uh, the uh, the the fun, functional, uh, mostly functional, I guess I should say, uh, uh, crew on the Orville. <laughs> And I think there's a method to this madness, not just having more time, but, you know, while nothing has been hammered home as 100% certain, we have been told that various conventions are still going to go on as planned, uh, some of them starting as soon as April. I look at the calendar and say, well, you know, what way to really get the show back and to, you know, tell, hey, we've moved from Fox, but we're, we're in Hulu. This is what's going on. You roll it out in June. And then at San Diego Comic-Con at the end of July, when they would be, um, you know, perfect time like they used to do. They were known for having very popular panels in Ballroom 20. This would be a fantastic time to roll people out, uh, you know, see what kind of response the public has uh, given them in person. And if there's any question about a season four or anything like that, these are the kind of things that often tip the scales. Absolutely, 100%. Now, moving on to that and going into the TV universe, uh, Morbius, we've talked about the fact that it's been delayed multiple times. Um, but also, Vicky even mentioned the, in one of the most recent podcasts that Dakota Fanning will be uh, taking the role as Madam Webb, and it seems that those, those might get a familiar face as well, right? Yeah, it's very interesting because apparently uh... – Michael Keaton, who has been very active with being in The Flash, being in other shows in his, you know, the Batwoman series and his new, well, in his incarnation as Batman, apparently his uh, classic character of the Vulture is scheduled, at least according to casting news, to appear in Morbius. And this is like... Wow, how is that going to be folded in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I kind of uh, speculated that there might be something going on in Spider-Man No Way Home, um, which really didn't necessarily come out to be true. So we don't really know what the heck is going on with Morbius, what is going on with Madam Web, the fact that Vulture is there. I mean, we maybe some sort of like back and forth wonkiness. We don't know, which is kind of fun just to speculate on at this point. Correct. And it's it is interesting because you have a character that obviously has some future to be told. uh, But the question is when and where and maybe it will be in the next uh, series of Spider-Man films or maybe it's going to appear somewhere else. But I'm not expecting much more than a cameo or something, but I think it will be something at least significant enough to say, don't forget about this one. Yeah. They're still there, and they're going to factor in somewhere down the road. Exactly. Now, let's finish this all up with some sequel talk. Um, first off, we've got to talk about Jason Statham in a gigantic prehistoric shark. Yes, we're talking about the Meg. We're getting Meg, too, aren't we? 
currently. Meg, <laughs> Meg 2, based on the second book in the series, The Trench, began filming in London about a week ago. We don't have a release date, but I would say if I'm going to have to look into the crystal ball, I would say probably next year. They're probably uh, positioning it for a summer uh, 2023 rollout and you know what what more do you want hopefully things are being <laughs> going to be in a better place you're going to have giant sharks uh, as i understand it plural and uh you know a bunch of people and things to get munched on and Statham, <laughs> you know running around in a submarine and then swimming around who's not on board that one already yeah exactly i mean like if you know anything about the meg you know what's going to happen. They're just going to dial it up even more, which, I mean, it's a Jason Statham movie, so you kind of have to expect all of that. And then even just with the uh, recently with the popularity of Scream, uh, the fifth Scream, which was just titled Scream, so just in case if uh, you're a little confused about that, immensely popular. So they're probably going to be bringing a new one around, right? Correct. And what was smart about this is people have to forget is that some of the films change studios i mean the original ones were you know i i tell people when oh. they get all uppity about you know deadpool will never be r-rated under disney and all that and i say who do you think released the original scream movie those studios were sub studios owned by disney at the time that yes they have now gone on to uh, other ownership but they were disney owned films when they were come out when they originally came out so now you have paramount uh holding the uh, reigns of the film and so they aren't going for that we're going to wait almost 10 years between four and five five came out got a very enthusiastic response and they quickly said yeah we're we've already greenlit the, the other one and you know who knows how quick they'd film it but it is not out of the i would say two years i would i guess they'd probably film but you know these horror films can be turned around pretty quick don't rule out the possibility of them shooting this thing and having this thing out next summer, although, or next fall, although I am probably going to guess uh, 2024. Yeah, I mean, again, it, you, it all really depends on uh, the shooting schedules, what happens with all of that, and how good they can keep uh, the uh, script under wraps with all of that. Uh, excited to see where it does go, and uh, I know that you'll keep up with the news. Don't listen to us here. They can head over to SKNR.net. That is skewed and reviewed. So get all those updates. Get the news that you don't have enough time to talk about here and get all that fun stuff. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care. Now, we did talk about a galaxy far, far away with Andor with Gareth. But, BJ, let's talk about um, there's not a galaxy far, far away. I don't really know how they do anything along those lines, but it's where. Wait, wait, wait. It's been where no man's gone before. But is and it, it, it is in part of the galaxy that's far, far away. <laughs> but it's like where no man has gone before. Does that really ring true when it comes to something like Prodigy or uh, Discovery? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and now they've changed it to where no one has gone before to Fair be enough. more inclusive. Fair enough, yeah. They, they did that a long time ago. And yes, I mean, for the Prodigy crew, they are in, in, in not only, if you will, spiritually as well as as growing, they are going where no one has gone before. Where for Prodigy, they, are, they were basically these enslaved workers and they broke free. Uh, by basically hijacking a stolen Federation starship, so this this starship was stolen anyway. Oh wow! And they and they hijack, they basically steal the stolen starship and learn about the Federation and learn about a life that they never even knew existed, where there were actually powerful people 
who would be who were actually peaceful and wanted to take care of everybody. And oh, to them, wow, all of yeah. them, they were like, "Wow, we didn't know this existed." Um, even though there are, you know, you bump into some certain races that we all know from Star Trek, but this show is designed for children. It is animated. Yes, it's uh, a mm-hmm. beautiful animation, by the way. Um, also done by um, Kevin and Dan Hageman, who you might know from the Troll Adventures and also the Lego movie. Oh, uh, okay. So these guys were, you know, responsible for those, and they're the ones that they hired as the creative team behind uh, Star Trek Prodigy. The artwork is fantastic, um, and. It has been a great season as this is a Federation starship that has a hologram program in it. And if we all remember Star Trek Voyager, there was the emergency uh, medical hologram because the, do- the the doctor on the ship died. Yeah. So they load the hologram, who was this arrogant, you know, this program based on the the arrogant scientist who created him. And uh, he turned out to be a, a real big star of the show. Uh, so the idea of an EMH or, or an emergency hologram of any kind well, they take one of the best starship captains there ever was, and that is Janeway, and yeah. they make her the emergency captain hologram, basically. And so she is guiding these thieves uh, aboard the ship, and she's treating them like they're Federation uh, recruits. They're 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 like uh, cadets. Wow. Okay, okay, that's kind of uh, kind of an ingenious way to do that. And it is uh, it'll bring a tear to your eye, a tear to your eye as you get wow. to know. These people and we, we, you know, and the idea that not everybody looks like who they are and not every and, and, and they all have their different humble beginnings. And uh, even the most useless character seems actually turns out to be the most useful character. Uh, there's also uh, Jason Manzukis voicing a Tellarite and the Tellarite <laughs> are sort of those pig faced aliens, if you remember from Star Trek all the way back in the day. Wow. And, OK. Uh, and and uh, it is uh, they go deep with the Easter eggs, but. This is designed for not only kids, but also people who have never heard of Star Trek before. This is an intro to the entire universe, wow. and it's done so well. Uh, you know, I feel like there are people who watch this and go, I want more. Uh, tell me more. I, I, they'll know that Star Trek was a thing, but they'll go, wow, this was really great. And there's a whole like universe. This is just my little tip of what I found. Okay. Uh, and they wrapped up their season with uh, a, a, a two-parter, and it was fantastic. Uh, John Noble, who we've known from Fringe and yeah, also from Lord of the Rings, right. he was in it as a voice. Uh, They—they, it's what a season! I, and I wasn't expecting it. I was like, "Look, this will tie me over until you know my other Star Trek shows come on." <laughs> and it turned out to be. Uh, and I've been going back and forth with Kayla LaFrance, the King of the Nerds, uh, and she's also just like, "I can't believe how much." And so she will just send me wonderful emails, and we'll go back and forth <laughs> an email about how much we both love this show. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, and um, it was a surprise for both of us. We were just like, "Well." You know, even though she's her favorite captain is Janeway, her favorite show is Voyager. So it was like, you know, she's going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Janeway, I'll tell you, Kate Mulgrew did an amazing job. She did not disappoint. Uh, so it's on Nickelodeon. It's on Paramount Plus. It's called uh, Star Trek Prodigy. And if you are looking for a show to watch with your children and you're a Trek fan, this is a big one to do. And if you're looking for a show to watch to basically uh, nurture the inner child in yourself, <laughs> this is a great show to watch. And it's a great intro show to anybody who knows nothing about Star Trek. 
uh, really watch this show, Star Trek Prodigy. Now, another one that you were talking about, your other Star Trek shows is uh, Star Trek Discovery. It just came back. You know, ah, for the, all right. The, you know, they, but it's interesting. Paramount is, is basically saying, look, Paramount Plus is like, we want to have all Star Trek all the time for you. And so they did something I don't think has been done before in Discovery history. They split the season in half and took a break. Okay, and that's uh, kind of a standard thing we see with a lot of bigger shows, something along the lines of like The Walking Dead and such. Yes, and so this was, at least if I remember correctly, the first time that's been done. I think otherwise all the other four seasons, uh, or I should say three seasons, have been just you you watch all the episodes when they release them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one, it just came back yesterday. I have not watched it, so I don't I can't spoil anything. But basically it was a big one where there's this, 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 this dark matter anomaly that is intentionally destroying planets and things. I say intentionally because it does not, you know, it's usually these things are random, like when a random thing, like a meteor or something horrible. This one moves on its own, does things on its own, and they have determined that an intelligence is behind it. And this intelligence is something that no one's ever encountered. It's from another part, either another galaxy or... I think it's another galaxy altogether. And so they're like, okay, what the F? It's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Exactly. And <laughs> there are two schools of thought, you know, and th- there's a division. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, you've got Michael Burnham, the captain, and a lot of folks of Starfleet, that uh, the Federation, that go, we want to interact with these aliens, even though they've done some hostile stuff with this thing. We still want to intera- interact with them peacefully. And then Michael's boyfriend, Book, whose planet was destroyed by this thing, oh. is like, oh, no, we right? go at it with all the guns and blow the heck out of this thing. <laughs> and there are also parts of the Federation that believe that, too. So the, you've got these two factions. Which way do we go? And they left us on a little bit of a teeter-totter, like, what's going to happen? And yesterday was the beginning of the second half of the season where we find out what the F as uh, basically <laughs> Book takes his ship, goes against the Federation, goes against his girlfriend, Ooh. Michael. It says, F this, I'm going to go wipe this thing out. Damn. Well, uh, I don't want to leave you to it. So uh, you get to go watch that after we get to. Damn it. I was hoping you let me go. I'm trying to sell it. I mean, I've been waiting for so. Okay. You got to wait until we get to this one. She-dee-dee. The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky. It's Friday, so I'm going to guess movies? Sure. Oh, oh dear. Oh, dear. I mean, it is still uh, February, so. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, but one that is, uh, I've been hearing a lot about, mostly commercials, and I didn't realize it was the same movie as I've seen the posters for, because the the commercials I've heard sound a little funky. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It is called Death on the Nile. Oh, yeah. So, this is a murder mystery, eh? And if, I don't remember, if this is supposed to be the, like, another version of that whole train movie. Do you remember the the murder on the Orient Express or something? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. right, right. I don't oh, remember. So, I know there was supposed to be a sequel. I don't remember if this is supposed to be, like, a sort of sequel or not. But it's kind of that same thing. It's a mystery, thriller, drama, crime movie. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And it's, it, it's reminiscent at that point of something maybe, if, if, even if it's not, like, a remake of one of those, like, Agatha Christie movies. Um, but it may be something something along the lines of like a Knives Out or yeah. something like that. Uh, it's got quite a few big named actors. It is getting 67% on the tomato meter as of oh. now. Okay. But okay. with an audience score, there's fewer than 50 verified ratings, 75%. Okay. And honestly, I think, hey. I mean, I don't know, because the movie could be just not great. But I think a good reason why it may not do well is because of one of the actors in this movie, and he's had a lot of controversy lately, and he's been kind of becoming, you know, more and more blacklisted. Oh, oh, that's got to be Tom Hanks. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. That, t- that Tom. <laughs> I mean, that Tom Hanks is such a bad man. I, I, yeah, it's about time Hollywood's caught up with him and the way he treats everybody he comes in contact with. Oh, he's so nice to everybody, and he's such a talented actor. Oh, sure. And he does good things. I knew it was all just a smokescreen. I'm nope. gonna, I'm gonna have to say that is probably not Tom. Hanks. Oh, it's not Tom no, Hanks. It is Army uh, Hammer. Oh, oh. yeah. The rumors yeah. around him are. Interesting. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, I, I, you know, there's so many people that have just got so many things going on where you go, what are you thinking? And I, I forget what Army's done, but it's too bad. It's like, why, why do you got to oh, be an idiot in life when, like, you have a great career? Yeah, there's, there's a lot you know, of why stuff. Why do you got to be yeah. an idiot? You know, I mean, it's like, go, go see somebody professional and realize mm-hmm. you're the problem. Okay. No matter what you might want to say, dumb lie, you really are your problem if you're Army Hammer. And you go, let me say what I think. It's like, really? Okay. Uh, the This movie is like starring, directing, produced by Kenneth Branagh. Oh, Branagh. yeah, Branagh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, Hamlet, Henry the Don't forget Wild Wild West. Was that him too? Uh, yeah, I just recently rewatched. Oh it. yeah, he did Murder on the Orient Express. There yeah, you go. <laughs> Ken's actually uh, Ken's actually really really good. He's done some good stuff, and he also played and I can't remember his name, but he played in Harry Potter. He was the uh, the dark arts teacher that oh, had the, the horrible the one that was just like pretending. he was horrible. Yeah, and the only thing he could do is is change people's memories. But you know, I can't remember his name. Gilgory uh, Lockhart. Yes, yeah, Gilgory? and yeah. Wow. he was the guy that was like, I've got books, and I'm so amazing, and I can stop anything, That's and I was right. like, no, dude, you're a loser. You're, I, I didn't yeah. recognize him without the frilly hairdo. Yeah, he's, uh. Uh, he's good at directing as well as he also played that part really well. I mean, we also have Wonder Woman. We have Black Panther's little sisters in this movie. We so also Gal Gadot's in it, and <laughs> Sumi is, I, 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 how do you? Shuri? Shuri. Shuri, yeah. Lolita Wright, as well as Russell Brand. Uh, Letitia, it's Letitia, Letitia Wright. Letitia, yeah. that's correct. Yes. Letitia, unfortunately, she's also come Got under few, fire for saying yeah. stuff, but she's a good actor, man. That really disappointed me. It was like, oh, Letitia, please just, you know, Shut act up. because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're such a good actor and stuff and whatever, and she's done really cool stuff. Uh, we also have Rose Leslie, which we remember from Game of Thrones. Who was she in Game of Thrones? She was the Jon Snow's redheaded first girlfriend. Oh, oh yeah, she was in Downton Abbey too. Yes, uh, yeah, she's, she was uh, the yeah, wildling. She's good, wildling. Yes, yeah, yeah. she's and good. She's a good actor too. You're right. This has got a good cast. Also, somebody that you guys may or may not recognize the name too, but I adore her because she was in the one of the greatest movies of all time, Shrek Two. She was the fairy godmother, Jennifer Saunders. <laughs> okay, oh, Jennifer Saunders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's good. Jennifer's she's really good. good. Yeah, she does a lot. She's in yeah. a lot of British stuff. I've seen her in. Yeah, she's um. Isn't she part of the uh, Ab Fab crew? Oh wow! Think, yeah, yeah. Absolutely oh, yeah. fabulous. You don't know Vicky. Oh, but Vicky, absolute fabulous was a groundbreaking comedy. Yes, in, she in was Adina. Yes, yeah, she's oh, really good. She yeah. was in Muppet Treasure Island. That's yeah. right. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yes, she was <laughs> Nana in the movie Sing and yeah. Sing Two. Yeah, if you have, you know, honestly, Vicky, I think if you are looking for something to just sort of see if it resonates with you, Ab Fab is. Super feminine, empowering sitcom that was way ahead of its time, and the I mean, they were terrific. They were so inappropriate, so bad, and yet so so. And there's only 35 episodes. You can pretty much binge it in a weekend for you. Their daughter is the most responsible. Well, one of their daughters, Jennifer's daughter on the show, who plays the daughter, is the only one that's responsible out of these two irresponsible adults that are just. (laughs) I mean, it's Ratchet. It's Ratchet before Ratchet was ever a thing. Yeah, yeah. I like to call them train wrecks. I've seen images of these. Now I understand where it comes from. And this kind (laughs) of... Such a great show. It gives me, like, 
dirtier, a little bit younger Golden Girls vibes. Yeah, uh, it's even worse. Yeah, than the Golden that's Girls. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if it, if like Blanche went on a bender <laughs> all of the time. And you so. know something, Vicky? If I'm not mistaken, I think AbFab came before. And you know, now that you mention it, it I wouldn't 92? be surprised. Yeah, ninety two yeah. through ninety six was when the first run ran. So, and I oh think really? Golden and Girls it, was eighties. Yeah. Oh wow, maybe mm-hmm. it was the other way around. Maybe yeah. they kind of got a little inspiration from the Golden Girls because <laughs> they they definitely have Blanche to the tenth power. Oh, no yeah, doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. Golden yeah. Girls started in eighty five. Yeah, wow. and, and, you know, and I think so. I think and of I've Samantha. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you love that, I mean, I think you would really. I would say, yeah, give that a try. Give it a try. Like, it's like on Hulu. It looks like. Only 35 apps, so it's That's not easy. much of a commitment. It's better than going um, to the theaters. I mean, you could go see this movie, but, I mean, is there really anything else going on? Ridley Scott also helped produce this one. Oh, Ridley yeah. Scott's a person. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, they, that... you know, Ridley, I just watched something that Ridley did. Um, gosh, is it raised? has Ridley had anything to do with Raised by Wolves, I wonder? Um, I think. Was I uh, I feel like Ridley's name I saw somewhere in the credits, but I could be making it up because that's my new favorite show. Nope, yep, executive producer Ridley Scott. There you go. Yeah, and Raised by Wolves is terrific, and I haven't <laughs> even started season two yet. <laughs> uh, there is, so I feel like we always talk about Bruce Willis being the, hey, do you really need your insurance right now? Is that why you're doing all these horrible movies? But I, I feel like somebody that's right behind him yeah, is somebody that I love, and I feel Uh-oh. like we all love. It's going to sound blasphemous, but you can't argue with me with this one. Liam Neeson. He, he plays the same character in every movie, and okay. he does so many other movies that we, we know his big ones, but he does a lot of little ones that kind of fall by the wayside, because he's got one coming out this weekend called Blacklight. Okay. At 6%. Ooh. Oh. You're, you know, Vicky, I was going to argue with you, <laughs> but you too. know, now that you mention it, he's starting to get to Willis territory, though, with, with some <laughs> yeah. of this stuff. You're right. He's not as bad yet, but he seems to be on that train. <laughs> this like, this movie would make me want, I'd, I'd want to see this because of him and also because Amy, a, Emmy Raver Lampin, who we know as um, Rumor on the Umbrella Academy, she's oh, also in this. Wow. Okay, well, I like Rumor. But I mean, for 6%. Okay, 6% stuff. Is like, this going to be like on demand or something? Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at his... Uh, I feel he, like it should be they should demand me to watch it. Really, uh, yeah, 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 we just, demand you. Just right. looking at you, sir. Rotten Tomatoes, like his last few movies he's done. like So Blacklight's uh, like 7%. The Ice Road... And this is based on the tomato meter, not audience score. 43%. The Marksman got 39 However, that got an 83 on the audience score. Oh, wow. Memory didn't even get a score, and that came out last year. Oh, Honest oof. Thief got 40%. The audience gave it 87 Damn. So if you love Liam wow. Neeson, it sounds yeah. like there's a huge library of movies. It just it reminds me of when my buddy went nuts on Netflix when they first were just sending out the DVDs and he watched every single Wesley Snipes movie. <laughs> and there were a lot of them that were produced in Eastern uh, Europe. <laughs> and they just they went straight to DVD and that's kind of why he had all his tax problems. I have to I have to tell you, I think it's a massive failure on the critics' part when they are so far off of what the audience thinks. I because if you're a critic, you're trying Trying to do a critique, knowing what the movie is, knowing the audience of the movie, and trying to tell said audience you'll like this or don't like it. And when when they are, when a, when an audience loves something that a critic said was horrible, it's like you know, critic, you've done. I don't care how highfalutin you are, you have failed. And I'm I looking, mean, you really have failed when you have that such a disparity between scores. And I mean, I think you're onto something because all the movies that are not as well reviewed by the audience that are well reviewed by critics are ones that aren't necessarily typically like. Ordinary Love, like it got 93 and the audience was 69 and that looks more of like a love story, drama, romance. And then the other one, 
which I kind of really want to watch. Not going to lie. It's called Widows. It's about widows, but Colin Farrell's in it, Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth oh, Debicki. Wow. Like, it looks like a really good one. It's got a cast. It's got 91% on the tomato meter and 61 on the audience score. Wow, yeah. So, I mean, like, when you get That's in- not so bad for me. That's not such yeah. a disparity. No, yeah. but he's not the main focus of this movie. I believe he's one of the people that died to be- make somebody a widow. Oh. oh I think he was Viola Davis' husband. Oh. Maybe flashbacks. Maybe there's a lot of flashbacks in this. Yeah, yeah that kind of makes it sense It looks romantic, that. like some of the like pictures I'm seeing here, but it's not his typical stuff. Yeah, I I mean, I, I don't mind a critic saying, hey, listen, the movie is blah, blah, blah. But then at the end of the day, you still give it a higher rating knowing that, yes, it's not a literary masterpiece or whatever they would use for films. Mm-hmm. But I know the audience is going to like it anyway. And that's you know? really, I mean, Roger Ebert did it the best because he went out to look and see what the film was trying to accomplish. Yes. And then go from there. So sometimes a movie would be, you know, quote unquote trash. But it's like, no, it's it knows what it's supposed to be at that point. Yes, you're right. I mean, we miss guys like Roger because he was in. Was that, was mm-hmm. that? And there's a lot of other movies out, but they're not very well known. So if you do go see one of these, let us know. And until next time, stay nerdy.